Hi, I'm Keith Schultz, and it's July 23rd, and this is the Bible in a Year with Maple City Chapel. The readings for today are 2 Chronicles 8, 11 through 18, 2 Chronicles 9, 2 Chronicles 10, Romans 8, 9 through 25, Psalms 18, 16 through 36, and Proverbs 19, 26. 2 Chronicles 8, 11. Solomon moved his wife's, Pharaoh's daughter, from the city of David to the new palace he had built for her. He said, My wife must not live in King David's palace, for the ark of the Lord has been there, and it is holy ground. Then Solomon presented burnt offerings to the Lord on the altar he had built for him in the front of the entry room of the temple. He offered the sacrifices for the Sabbaths, the new moon festivals, and the three annual festivals, the Passover celebration, the festival of harvest, and the festival of shelters, as Moses had commanded. In assigning the priests to their duties, Solomon followed the regulations of his father David. He also assigned the Levites to lead the people in praise and to assist the priests in their daily duties. And he assigned the gatekeepers to the gates by their divisions, following the commands of David, the man of God. Solomon did not deviate in any way from David's commands concerning the priests and the Levites and the treasuries. So Solomon made sure that all the work related to the building of the temple of the Lord was carried out. From the day of its foundation was laid to the day of its completion. Later, Solomon went to Ezion Geber and Elath, ports along the shore of the Red Sea, in the land of Edom. Hiram sent him ships commanded by his own officers and manned by experienced crews of sailors. These ships sailed to Ophir with Solomon's men and brought back to Solomon almost 17 tons of gold. Second Chronicles 9 When the Queen of Sheba heard of Solomon's fame, she came to Jerusalem to test him with hard questions. She arrived with a large group of attendants and a great caravan of camels loaded with spices, large quantities of gold, and precious jewels. When she met with Solomon, she talked with him about everything she had on her mind. Solomon had answers for all of her questions. Nothing was too hard for him to explain to her. When the Queen of Sheba realized how wise Solomon was, and when he saw the palace he had built, she was overwhelmed. She was also amazed at the food on his tables, the organization of his officials and their splendid clothing, the cupbearers and their robes, and the burnt offerings Solomon made at the temple of the Lord. She exclaimed to the king, Everything I heard in my country about your achievements and wisdom is true. I didn't believe what was said until I arrived here and saw it with my own eyes. In fact, I have not heard the half of your great wisdom. It is far beyond what I was told. How happy your people must be. What a privilege for your officials to stand here daily, day by day, listening to your wisdom. Praise the Lord your God, who delights in you, and has placed you in the throne as king to rule for him. Because God loves Israel and desires this kingdom to last forever. He has made you king over them, so you can rule with justice and righteousness. Then she gave the king a gift of 9,000 pounds of gold, great quantities of spices and precious jewels. 
Never before had there been spices as fine as those the Queen of Sheba gave to King Solomon. In addition, the crews of Hiram and Solomon brought gold from Ophir, and they also brought red saddlewood and precious jewels. The king used the saddlewood to make steps for the temple of the Lord and the royal palace and to construct lyres and harps for the musicians. Never before had such beautiful things been seen in Judah. King Solomon gave the queen of Sheba whatever she asked for, gifts of greater value than the gifts she had given him. Then she and all her attendants returned to their own land. Each year, Solomon received about 25 tons of gold. This did not include the additional revenues he received from merchants and traders. All the kings of Arabia and the governors of the provinces also brought gold and silver to Solomon. King Solomon made 200 large shields of hammered gold, each weighing more than 15 pounds. He also made 300 smaller shields of hammered gold, each weighing more than seven and a half pounds. The king placed these shields in the place of the forest of Lebanon. Then the king made a huge throne, decorated with ivory and inlaid with pure gold. The throne had six steps with a footstool of gold. There were armrests on both sides of the seat, and the figure of a lion stood on each side of the throne. There was also twelve other lions, one standing on each end of the six steps. No other throne in the world could be compared with it. All of King Solomon's drinking cups were solid gold, as were the utensils in the palace of the forest of Lebanon. They were not made of silver, for silver was considered worthless in Solomon's day. The king had a fleet of trading ships of tarnish manned by the sailors sent by Haram. Once every three years, the ships returned, loaded with gold, silver, ivory, apes, and peacocks. So King Solomon became richer and wiser than any other king on earth. Kings from every nation came to consult him and to hear his wisdom. God had given him. Year after year, everyone who visited brought him gifts of silver and gold, clothing, weapons, spices, horses, and mules. Solomon had 4,000 stalls for his horses and chariots, and he had 12,000 horses. He stationed some of them in the chariot cities and some near him in Jerusalem. He ruled over all the kings from the Euphrates River in the north to the land of the Philistines in the border of Egypt in the south. The king made silver as plentiful in Jerusalem as stone, and valuable cedar timber was as common as the sycamore fig trees that grow in the foothills of Judah. Solomon's horses were imported from Egypt and many other countries. The rest of the events of Solomon's reign from beginning to end are recorded in the record of Nathan the prophet and the prophecy of Ahijah from Shiloh and also in the visions of Edo the seer concerning Jeroboam son of Nebat. Solomon ruled in Jerusalem over all Israel for 40 years. When he died, he was buried in the city of David, named for his father. Then his son Rehoboam became the next king. Second Chronicles 10. Rehoboam went to Shechem, where all Israel had gathered to make him king. When Jeroboam, son of Nebat, heard of this, he returned from Egypt. 
for he had fled to Egypt to escape from King Solomon. The leaders of Israel summoned him, and Jeroboam and all Israel went to speak with Rehoboam. Your father was a hard master, they said. Lighten the harsh flavor demands and heavy taxes that your father imposed on us. Then we will be your loyal subjects. Rehoboam replied, Come back in three days for my answer. So the people went away. Then King Rehoboam discussed the matter with the older men who had counseled his father, Solomon. What is your advice, he asked. How should I answer these people? The older counselors replied, If you are good to these people and do your best to please them and give them a favorable answer, they will always be your loyal subjects. But Rehoboam rejected the advice of the older men and instead asked the opinion of the young men who had grown up with him and were now his advisors. What is your advice? he asked them. How should I answer these people who want me to lighten the burden imposed by my father? The young men replied, This is what you should tell those complainers who want to lighten the burden. My little finger is thicker than my father's waist. Yes, my father laid heavy burdens on you, but I'm going to make them even heavier. My father beat you with whips, but I will beat you with, corp- with scorpions. Three days later, Jeroboam and all the people returned to hear Rehoboam's decision, just as the king had ordered. But Rehoboam spoke harshly to them, for he rejected the advice of the older counselors and followed the counsel of his younger advisors. He told the people, My father laid heavy burdens on you, but I'm going to make them even heavier. My father beat you with whips, but I will beat you with scorpions. So the king paid no attention to the people. This turn of events was the will of God, for it fulfilled the Lord's message to Jeroboam, son of Nebat, through the prophet Ahijah from Shiloh. When all Israel realized that the king had refused to listen to them, they responded, Down with the dynasty of David. We have no interest in the son of Jesse. Back to your homes, O Israel. Look out for your own house, O David. So all the people of Israel returned home. But Rehoboam continued to rule over the Israelites who lived in the towns of Judah. King Rehoboam sent Adoniram, who was in charge of forced labor, to restore order. But the people of Israel stoned him to death. When this news reached King Rehoboam, he quickly jumped into his chariot and fled to Jerusalem. And to this day, the northern tribes of Israel have refused to be ruled by the descendants of David. Romans 8, 9-25 But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit, if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. And Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, and just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, He will give you life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. For all who have led, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. 
so you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirits when he adopted you as his children. Now we will call him Abba Father, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are not to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as foretaste of future glory, for we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as he adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised us. We were given this hope when we were saved. If we already have something, we don't need to hope. If we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. But if we look forward to something we don't have yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. Psalm 18, 16 through 36. He reached down from heaven and rescued me. He drew me out of the deep waters. He rescued me from my powerful enemies, from those who hated me, and were too strong for me. They attacked me at a moment when I was in distress, but the Lord supported me. He led me to a place of safety. He rescued me because he delights in me. The Lord rewarded me for doing right. He restored me because of my innocence, for I have kept the ways of the Lord. I have not turned from my God to follow evil. I have followed all his regulations. I have never abandoned his decrees. I am blameless before God. I have kept myself from sin. The Lord rewarded me for doing right. He has seen my innocence. To the faithful, you show yourself faithful. To those with integrity, you show integrity. To the pure, you show yourself pure. But to the crooked, you show yourself shrewd. You rescue the humble, but the hum- but you humiliate the proud. You light a lamp for me. The Lord my God lights my da- up my darkness. In your strength, I can crush an army. With my God, I can scale any wall. God's way is perfect. All the Lord's promises prove true. He is a shield for all who look to him for protection. For who is God except the Lord? But who but our God is a solid rock? God arms me with strength, and he makes my way perfect. He makes me as sure-footed as a deer, enabling me to stand on mountain heights. He trains my hands for battle. He strengthens my arm to draw a bronze bow. You have given me your shield to victory. Your right hand supports me. Your help has made me great. You have made a wide path for my feet to keep me from slipping. Proverbs 19:26. Children who mistreat their father or chase away their mother are an embarrassment and a public disgrace.